Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. I'm always stunned when I find an astounding musician so very close to my home base, one who does exactly the kind of music I like best, and yet is previously unknown to me. But that's the case with today's Song of the Soul guest, John Smith. Maybe it was the oh-so-common name that caused him to be a gem hiding innocently in plain sight. John Smith has eight solo CDs, has fans all over the USA and abroad, including in Ireland, to which he has been leading sightseeing cultural musical tours for a decade and a half. And then there are the rafting tours, complete with on-raft musician. My point is that he's a wonderful singer-songwriter, but that only scratches the surface of what is wonderful about John Smith as he joins us via Zoom from Trempealeau, Wisconsin. John, I'm so glad to have you back for Song of the Soul. Yeah, good to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's really a little bit ridiculous because I'm getting to know your music, even though we live, what, an hour and a half away from one another. I've been immersed in music, certainly for the last 15 years. I've been doing Song of the Soul. But your tenure far exceeds my own. What year did you start doing music? I sang a little bit in high school in a rock and roll band shortly after the whole Beatle thing happened when every little town in the country had a garage band, several garage bands in even the littlest town. And I grew up in a little town called Dewitt, Iowa. And down there, a bunch of guys bought guitars and drums and amplifiers and the whole thing and wanted to start a little band, but nobody wanted to sing. And I was, I've been singing a lot from the time I was very, very little. Just one of those kind of kids that walked down the street singing and kind of wondered if something was wrong with them. That was me. <laughs> that was me. So I sang in a high school rock and roll band singing Rolling Stones and the Kinks and Beatles songs and, and stuff and playing at local dances. And then I went off to college, and it was while at college I got my first acoustic guitar, then really got immersed into Dylan and Joni Mitchell and Crosby, Stills and Nash, Jackson Brown, James Taylor. All that stuff really moved me. So I was learning that stuff, and at the same time, dove into writing some songs. Because early on, there was some part of me that kind of felt like when people were singing other people's songs, like at a club or something, or more like a bar kind of a thing, that they were supposed to sound just like them. <laughs> so when I would learn a Jackson Brown song or a James Taylor song or something, I'd go, you know, I don't do that as good as James Taylor or, or whoever it is. And I thought, I'd write my own songs, and i go, I'm better at doing my own songs than I am at these other people. So in a way, that was a real good thing for me to push me into the songwriting world. And so that's how I got started. And as much as I love to sing, and I still have a lot of fans that probably, if they had to say, do you like John more for his singing or more for his songwriting, there'd be a big chunk that love my voice and singing. So one way or another, I probably would be singing, but I'd probably be just playing at bars and whatever. But because of the songwriting path, that felt more, it really gives more freedom to your voice when you write your own songs. It's just like a bird 
meadowlark trying to sing a sparrow song doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so writing my own songs has always been the path for me. And so many good blessings in my life have all happened from my songs and then and those songs connecting people and moving them in some way, or make, even if it's as simple as making their morning a little brighter or as deep as they lost somebody and in their grieving, a song I have helps them make sense or be at peace with that loss for a while. I was wondering, John, I've listened to enough of your songs to know that it appears you have a special connection with birds. Are you a birder or is this a, I mean, you, I don't know how many songs you've written specifically about birds or varieties of birds or the bird song or whatever. Yeah. Are birds a big John Smith thing? Yeah, they are. It's very observant of you, Mark, to notice that. Because usually they're just mentioned in metaphor. You know I mean? Like I'm trying to say something about, say, transcendence, and I'll use birds. And, and I've always been a person, if you're going to paint a picture of something, like what color is the wall? What kind of chair is it? You know, And if it's a bird, what kind of bird is it? You know what I mean? If it's the Beatles, what Beatles song are they singing? You know I mean, really, let's get down to the actual details. But I, I worked as a naturalist. I actually ended up in Trempeleau, Wisconsin, where I live. I got a job as a naturalist at the state park. And so I just know plants, and I've just always loved it. I'm not a nerd about it. I don't have a list anymore. I was a list birder for some years, and, and I realized sometimes that sometimes you can get so anal about numbers and quantity that you could be looking at a beautiful bird that you've only seen once other time in your life, but you look at it and you start looking for something else because I already seen that versus just sitting there for 15 minutes and sulking up the unique beauty of that bird. So I don't do lists anymore, but I do know it when I'm seeing something I've never seen before. I love that. Well, let's get started right away on your music. I want to talk to you basically all day or all week long, but I don't think we can keep that on the air. And given that we are limited to 55 minutes, what song would you like to start out with? Uh, why don't we start out with a, a song called Kicking the Stone uh, that I wrote right here in Trimpleau while we're talking about where I live. Yeah, we can talk on the other side of the song after you play it maybe a little bit. But it was written in my typical, not typical, but people ask all the time, how do you write songs? I often will pick up my guitar and just start noodling or coming up with a chord progression that feels good and a groove. And I just, and I like it so much, I, I could play it all day long. Then I start babbling melody over the top of it that fits with the chord progression that I like. And then I really start babbling stuff. And then all of a sudden, something will come out of my mouth that sounds poetic or it sounds like a nibble. Like if you're fishing, it's like all that beginning time, I'm just getting my line ready and I'm, I'm getting my chair by the riverside already. And then I put the line out there and I'm still noodling. And all of a sudden, I start to feel, wow, this is something. There's a nibble. This is, follow this. So Kicking the Stone is, is an example of that. And Kicking the Stone by John Smith is title track of his 2004 recording, Kicking the Stone. Kicking this stone up this hill Past the old hotel and the railroad tracks and the run-down mill I don't know what for, I don't quite know why Just know I like the way it makes me feel inside So kick it hard till it rolls along Next thing I know I'm singing this song Oh, kicking this stone Oh, 
stone Up the hill and around the block and down the road Kicking these balloons all alone Out into the open light of day where moss can't church graveyard and the country club and the factory and the downtown bar past the alleyways and the lock and dam past the poets and the prostitutes and the clergyman by the city jail and the county home past all the saints and sinners kicking their stones Stone, oh, kicking this stone up the hill and around the block and down the road, kicking these blues all alone out into the open light of day where moss can't grow. Oh, kicking this stone, I ain't making no mess. I ain't hurting no one I'm just making my way A little each day To kingdom come All across the countless miles From the cradle to the grave Past all my mistakes With all their guilt and shame Through the gentle rain of tears Sweet forgiveness came Oh, kicking this stone Oh, kicking this stone Up the hill and around the block And down the road Kicking these
got the privilege of having John Smith here today for Song of the Soul. His website is johnsmithmusic.com. No, he's not just a generic person being represented here. With a name like John Smith, you might think that, but clearly that song, Kicking the Stone, is such a good example of the kind of music that burbles out of him. He's rich of eight CDs of music of his own, and he's got other music he's released along with other folks. But Kicking the Stone certainly gives us a good taste of who John Smith is. Did you ever consider changing your name to something else just so that you weren't the most common name in the phone book? Yeah, I did briefly a time or two. I kind of played around with a, a couple of names, using a couple of names of my kids backwards and stuff like that. And But I never did, of course. And then finally, when I started doing my first solo CDs, was right at the same time websites were coming out in the late 90s. And on a website, there would be no spaces. And so to see somebody's name rung together was very common. And so when, when I made my record, it's called Hole in the Clouds, I made the record and I went to a friend to do the graphics and she gave me the mock-up artwork. And there was my name all in one word without any space, John Smith, one word. And I have been teased about my name, obviously, a lot. And I said, you, that's kind of funny. You know, like she was joking with me. She said, I think you should do this. It might stand apart. And I said, well, okay, let's try it. And it really has stuck. So, no, I won't be changing it. <laughs> the song, Kicking the Stone, one of the reasons that I think it is head and shoulders above a lot of other stones is because you go from your individual experience uh, as a kid, more or less kicking a stone, and when you name all the people you go, you're, I mean, you're going past a preacher and you're going past prostitutes. And to throw those in, I have a sense of someone seeing a bigger universe. So what was your experience of putting this song out? Well, it was. It's like, like I say, I just kind of babble around. But when I, the poet in me, when I babbled out kicking the stone, all of a sudden I could see the whole song. The metaphor of somebody kicking a stone is likened to each of us going through our life. I can try to be there for you, Mark, and be a friend and whatever, but you have to do the walking. You know, it's that kind of thing. So we each kind of go through life. So for me, that song is like a lot of songs. I like songs to be a journey. That song starts out very, as you just stated, very literal about a person kicking the stone and who hasn't done that down the road. And then it evolves to gets a little thicker. Like all of a sudden, kicking it past the preacher and the prostitute, and all of a sudden, you're kicking it past gravestones and, and schools and churches and things that are loaded, images. And then in the bridge of the song, I think I say, I ain't making no mess. I ain't hurt no one. I'm just making my way to kingdom come. Whatever that means, I'm just making my way. And then I wrote, then I was writing a song and I kind of got stuck, you know, stuck in the sense of like, where do I go now? I've, I've, I've laid out some pretty big stuff already and I don't want to be preachy, and I love the groove, it's all feeling good. How do I bring this song to a journey, to a journey's end or conclusion? And it wasn't until I break into the last part about, uh, I don't ever, I guess I do say the word forgiveness, that it's really about, to me, our journey is about getting a place of being in non-judgment, of not judging anything, but we do. But if we can even just one little thing at a time, forgive ourselves or forgive somebody else for is a big step towards transcending that smaller side of ourselves that you and I were talking about before. So even a song like that, and I like that song, I like sharing that song because I'm able to kind of express my 
deeper feelings about the human psyche and our spirituality, my own and collectively. Uh, at the same time, though, make a really groovy, <laughs> cool song. Because some people love that song and they have no idea about this part that you and I are talking about right now. Oh, it bounces around so beautifully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like, whoa, yeah. I can feel the movement in my body with that song. Yeah. Anyway, so thank you for asking a little bit more about the song. And I, and I love that there's programs like this so we can talk about that little deeper meaning that there is. And you and I both agree, we don't need to always focus on this. As they say, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, right? Yeah. And, and you can experience that physical part of it, and you don't need everything else. But my natural inclination is to appreciate the physical and the echoes across levels of existence. So I'm glad to meet you on that plane as well. And let's go right on to another song and have a further meeting, I think. Okay. <laughs> or maybe you're going to give me the one song which absolutely has no exterior meetings. It's just this literal. Go for it. Well, uh, may maybe this next song is a little bit. Uh, we can talk about it a little bit more after the song. But it's a song called From His Window, which is a very, well, I won't, I won't say I don't want the listener to be pushed one way or another how to think about it. But it was a big song for me in my evolution as a songwriter. I'll say that much. And very personal. It's called From His Window. He stands beside the window He watches cars go by He waves at everybody He's just a friendly guy He doesn't know what to he doesn't talk much anymore Sometimes he cries when he means to laugh Doctors say he can't tell that And I come to visit And I take him out on drives And he wants to go home with me Every time But the nurses come to take him Back to his room that's waiting And I fight to keep my tears inside From his window He waves goodbye Where have the years all gone to? It seems like only yesterday We used to dance upon his shoes Back on Sunday afternoons He was a mountain standing tall Doing his best to raise us all We always had enough to eat He worked two jobs to make ends meet But now it's can't remember that And it's hard for the rest of us To understand But when I come to visit He knows my name and he says it And I fight to keep my tears inside From his window Goodbye. 
But when I come to visit He knows my name and he says it And it makes me glad I made the drive From his window He waves goodbye The first solo CD that John Smith released was called Hole in the Clouds. Back in 1997-98, he released it, and this song, From His Window, is from that collection. And his website is johnsmithmusic.com. You know he bought his domain name early in order to be able to get John Smith Music. I did. That's good, Mark. That's so true. I did. Yeah. Well, you know, and I was, last summer, I was talking with John McCutcheon, whose website is folkmusic.com. I know. How did, yeah, I told you how early he got that. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it was out of the gate. He got it. It's like, okay, I am Mr. Folk Music. You may all bow down now. I mean, <laughs> Well, he kind of is. <laughs> well, he's an incredible, incredible, and I don't know how many 30, 35 CDs he's put out. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. But anyway, we we're talking about the song from his window that you just shared for Song of the Soul. Obviously, it's about your father. So give me a few words about your father. I mean, there's something about him in the song. Well, uh, listening to it, I never say it's my dad anywhere. And I love that I did that because this song was written with probably about as few filters as I've ever had in my songwriting. And so I'm from a very big family, Mark, of 10 kids in 10 years. So I'm like the third. And just so you know, John, that's what we call a small family in my family of 12. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so my dad, you know, was just a hardworking guy, two jobs a day, which I think maybe I, I don't know if I mentioned that in the you, song. You say it in the song, yeah. But anyway, he always had this habit. Especially, I didn't really notice it until I was in high school and I went off to college and, and I would come home to visit that when any, any of us were leaving, he always would come outside if the weather was nice and wave until you were out of sight. Like, and if it was in the winter, he'd be in the window you know, and you could be turning the corner and looking back and he'd still be in the window there. And so the day I wrote that song, by that point, he was in Cresco, Iowa at a nursing home, Alzheimer's unit because he had the kind of Alzheimer's where he would walk off and get lost and so forth. And my mother couldn't deal with it anymore, so he went to this unit. So I was down, I drove down there often to see him, because it was a couple-hour drive and a beautiful drive. And most days that I would go and be with him, I just was like, I'm just going to be in the moment of this. This this is the is of, this is how he is now. And as much as it was very obvious that he had Alzheimer's, there were still some beautiful moments in it, like, he would shuffle around. Like when you go to visit somebody with Alzheimer's, you just read the paper and stuff because you can't have conversation. You just be together, hang out for some hours. And so I was doing that most days and he'd be shuffling around. They had a nice big room where everybody's in there. He'd come over and start rubbing you on the back and say, I love you, Johnny. And that felt good, even though it's from an Alzheimer's person because he didn't do that much when we were kids. But to know that he was in this loving place, that felt good. But some days I would leave and I... Part of me, like this particular day, I remember leaving, and it just it didn't feel good. It felt sad. Like, God dang, I don't like this. I want my dad back. You know, why does it have to be this way? And I just remember going out in the car. I just sat there. I couldn't even start the car. I just felt so deflated and sad. 
And I went to start the car and I looked up and there he was in the window waving to me. Oh my God. And I waved and pulled away and cried. And I drove home and I got home about 11 o'clock that night and my family was all in bed and I just stayed downstairs in the kitchen, closed the door, just lit a candle and that song just came out, rolled right out. And I just was feeling it just totally from emotion, raw song. And then I got up the next morning. My wife was a teacher and she was gone off to school and the kids were gone to school. I looked at the song again and I went, oh my God, I'm never playing this one. I just thought, well, that was a good exercise for me. And then, and then my wife came home for lunch and she said, what was that thing you were working on downstairs? I heard you, I could, you know, I could just feel your energy all the way upstairs. And I went, well, I said, I don't know, here it is. And so I just sang what I had. And the, the song has no chorus. It's very linear. And so uh, I sang the song and I wasn't even halfway done and she was crying. You know, and I thought, wow, there's power in this for other people too, not just me. And then about a week later, I was doing a gig in Viroqua, Wisconsin, at a little place. And a couple of my sisters were driving up the next day, but they found out I was playing. And they said, why don't we go that way and uh, get a room there and see him the night and go to Johnny's concert. And so I saw them there and they were sitting off to the side. And I thought, I could never sing this song to them in person, but I can do it in public. And so I sang the song for the first time in public. And oh, my God. Dan was playing with me. He was crying. I could hear my sisters. I couldn't look at them because I knew if I looked at them, they were sobbing. I would start crying and that wouldn't serve anybody. (laughs) So anyway, I learned though at the end of it, how many people come up and were so touched by that song. And it taught me the lesson that as a songwriter, it is totally okay and urged even to write about our pain and to share our sorrow and our dark, dark stuff. Because what it does, it, it gives voice. And the tears that somebody would cry from that song is all about love. Anyway, it's, it's just, you know, it's a grieving type of thing, which is love. So I learned a big thing from that song. And uh, whether there's any big spiritual message or lesson in that song, nothing other than, than love for a father and a son and the sadness of Alzheimer's. It sounds like a perfect lesson for us today. Folks, that's why we're speaking with John Smith. He lives in a place called Trempolo, Wisconsin, right near La Crosse. You could possibly have heard of Trempolo. You didn't, but that's your loss because it's a beautiful little area and there's a bike path right by it. You can bike all the way into La Crosse, which my wife and I did. We camped there once at Trempolo at the big park there, biked in to participate in the Great River Folk Festival, which happens the end of August each year. So, Uh, Just keep it in mind. You might want to drop by and you might might be able to visit with John Smith there when you're there as well. John, let's go on to another song right away. I'd love to get in. Actually, what I'd love to do is probably get all eight of your CDs into this 55 minutes, but it won't happen. So, (laughs) Yeah. Why don't we go to a song called I Will Fly, Mark, which is a song that I wrote in Virginia. I was invited to an art colony in the Blue Ridge Mountain area there. And it's a place called the Virginia Center for Creative Arts. They invite about, I think, about a dozen artists from all over the world, different types of art. When I was there, there was a composer from Dublin. There was a painter from China. There was a videographer from Denmark. And there were also, it was very unique, there were five Native American writers there. What it is, is they have a beautiful dormitory and they feed you these have incredible chef. It's just really a class place in a beautiful rural setting. And they took all the outbuildings of this farm and turned them into studios for artists. 
And so I had this beautiful studio that was, Wisconsin people will relate to this. There was a nice farm silo, big dairy silo, with a shed attached to it. And they turned that shed into my little studio. You know, I mean, finished it off with a vaulted ceiling and a grand piano, all looking out over the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so at the same time, that particular week that I was there, these Native American writers were there. Right next to me, not even a stone's throw away, was this corn crib that was turned into a writer's room, you know, where they didn't need as much room as a musician might with instruments and piano and stuff. So anyway, this was the first day I got there. I was in awe of the beauty of the place in the studio. And right away, I wanted to honor the sacredness of, first of all, all the art and creativity that's happened in this room that I'm sitting in now, which is 365 days a year, 24-7. It always has artists in it. And so to be in that room and the beauty of it, and I just remember opening the windows and I was like, okay, I, I write my songs on the fly a lot, driving down the road, literally on pieces of paper on the steering wheel or in hotel rooms or late at night after my dad, kind of a thing around my deck. But never did I ever have like a whole week where that's all I had to do. I don't even have to make a sandwich. Nothing, <laughs> just write songs. <laughs> and so, but it kind of freaked me out because it's not my normal. So I just thought, okay, John, just sit here and breathe. Just put the guitar on my lap and just breathe. So I did, and I just kind of went into a place of meditation. And I swear that the Native American guy next to me in his corn crib studio, I think some of his juju came into my window. <laughs> uh, because that was one of the reasons that they like to mix the artists. They want that inter-inspiration from different medias and cultures to kind of meet. And so the song has a very Native American approach to afterlife, kind of like Shinto, nature-based spirituality. That's where it's written from. It's called I Will Fly. By John Smith. When my time comes to leave I want you to know I believe that love goes on and it never dies so when I'm gone I will give you a sign and I will fly across the valley I will land up When you hear a lonesome wren song You will know it's me up on high So please don't cry When I go Just break out the fiddle And rise in the bowl and sing all night Till the morning comes Send me on my way upon the wings of love And I will fly across the valley I will land up in the pine And when you hear Lonesome Ren song, you will know it's me upon high. Mm-hmm. 
the cold four winds Remember my promise to come back again And on some dark blue day When your heart is sad I'll be up there singing from the highest branch And I will fly across the valley I will land up in the pine When you hear a lonesome wren song You will know it's me up on high You will know it's me up on high One and only John Smith is with us here today for Song of the Soul. His song, I Will Fly, is from his 2002 release, Traveler. And you'll find him at his website, johnsmithmusic.com. Of course, the link is on northernspiritradio.org. You can track down not only John, but all of our guests from the past 15 years on our site. Find all kinds of links to them, the stations where we're broadcast, all kinds of things. And there's a place there where you can rate and post a comment on programs. So please do that after you finish listening to this interview with John Smith. Come to our site, post a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Give us your recommendations of other artists we should be talking to. Help connect us up with what's going on in the world. Because I really do believe communication should be two-way. It's, it's not enough for you to hear my voice. We need to hear your voice as well. Also on our site, there's a donate button. That's how all this full-time work is supported. But I especially want to remind you to support your local community radio stations. It's so vital. I, I can't tell you how important it is to have alternative media there because there's increasing concentration of ownership of media in fewer and fewer hands. And the only way you're going to get individuals out like John Smith or the, the bit of the news that the corporate media has no motivation to cover is by supporting your local community radio station. So support them, support your other local community media and help make news and truth flourish and creativity which is what we've got with here with John Smith. Now, we just finished listening till I Will Fly. One thing I was curious about as I listened to that, you said it was maybe the juju of the Native American man who's in the corn crib next to you who maybe influenced you. Do you have any particular view, inclination, images that you carry about afterlife? Well, you know, it's, that's still developing. It's totally still developing in me. As I grow older, I think your body just won't let you not think about that you're aging. You know what I mean? Just joints and look in the mirror <laughs> at your hair or loss of it and just everything. So the aging comes on and you start to think about your mortality a little bit more. And so I, I don't really, Mark, other than I do kind of feel like this is just my own two cents. I just kind of feel like that we can kind of prepare for it in a sense of trying to be literally light, literally like light and not bound with lots of worry about things. And if any of the stuff we read about people near death experiences and people seeing the light and stuff, 
I, I know I have my own meditation practice, and sometimes one of the things that helps me get back to the place I'm trying to get to in meditation is to kind of visualize, you know, that there's really no difference between me and this chair. You know, that this, the, the presence that's in the chair is the presence that I kind of am. One of the ways for me to think that way is to think of that as light, that presence as light, and that my guess is I can imagine myself wanting to go into that light. I mean, just think how it is on a cold morning in the winter and you walk out into the kitchen and the porch and that sun is that sun is beaming and you just want to sit there and soak that up, all that light. I can just imagine if that's really what we are, if our true essence is something like that light, then I hope I'm prepared for that and I, and I welcome it. Say, yeah, man, bring it. Here we go. <laughs> so that's about all I, all I know. And unlike anybody else, I don't think our memories and everything has to come with us and isn't going to come with us. But the sense of love that we've garnered and gained and leave behind, I believe that has worth after life, I guess. But that's the whole point. It is an afterlife. It's all one big thing. We're in it now. And so I'm not, I'm really babbling around your question. <laughs> just my answer. It's the appropriate thing to do about something that is so wide open and so available to so many different perspectives and experiences. I know that there's many people who have an exact definition of, of what they think it's going to be like. And who am I to say that they're wrong? But I can say that my own experience of it is I'm still learning, as, as you say. But given that you're 69 and I'm 66, don't you think we better learn kind of quickly now? Yeah, I do. That's a good question. It's not funny. I do. I think it's time to, to bring it on. It's like and it's a, another Buddhist belief is to uh, die a little each day and to sort of die before you die, meaning get rid of the smaller self, really get to that place. So then when it is your time, you're already there. You're basically, and you're, you've already been to this place and then you go versus fighting it. Oh, which is the American way. Fight it every moment. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, I remember my dad dying there of Alzheimer's, and I was lucky enough to get to be with both of my parents when they took their last breath. And my dad especially, just remember there, you know, they told us, you know, because the body literally shuts down. I mean, it, it, your feet go first, and it just this whole life force goes out of you. I just remember just being there with my dad. Me and my older brother did the nighttime watch. We were around the clock with him. Just remember, just thinking like, you know, sitting there at the bedside, you know, with a hand on his brow and his leg and stuff and just being there with him. And I couldn't help but think like, wow, the human body is one tenacious thing. It doesn't <laughs> want to be, you know, because we're all saying, Dad, it's okay to go. Like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, what kind of life have you had here for so long? You know, it's okay to go. But yet, his body, but who knows? Is it his body? Or is it my dad's spirit? I was like, I don't want to go. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what's on the other side. Or I want, you know, what, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I don't want to be afraid of it because it is the number one fear. When they ask people, what's the biggest fear that people have? Fear of death is number one. And that fits in with this COVID time, Mark, that we're living in right now. There is an underlying level of stress or overwhelmingness that a lot of us have, I think, right now because of we could die. You could get this virus. People our age start to think about it a little more than a 30-year-old does because they seem to get it and survive at a pretty good rate. But some people our age, not so much. You remind me of a fella from our town here, Mark. You looked like you could be brothers who passed away in COVID. Very sad. And so people my age can die from it. So 
there is that thing. It's like on one level, it's like, kind of, aren't we getting kind of tired of this whole virus thing and mask? But when you have, when that fear of death is sitting on you, which is not a healthy <laughs> kind of a thing, it's got to, it affects us collectively, I think. Well, let's continue on to a little bit more music. Let's get this in before the hour's over. What's next from John Smith? I know what I want to end up with, so let's play one before that. Let's, let's do a, a song that's not professionally recorded yet, but uh, you have a version of it that I recorded here at home called Hunkered Love, which uh, is just me having fun, especially in the early days of the COVID time. So it's just kind of a lighthearted song about being sheltered in place or lockdown, whatever you want to call it, where you're mostly only seeing your partner. I think the phrase is your beloved spouse. <laughs> that works. So that's where the song comes from. And I did share it earlier. It was with a collection of people playing tribute to John Prine. You'll hear his name in here because John Smith had to memorize all of John Prine's music in order to be an official folk musician. <laughs> Again, in channeling the energy of John Prine, I think vocabulary and a whimsicalness that we got so used to in John Prine here, it comes out through John Smith in his song, Hunkered Love. When an act of God knocks upon your door And it's not safe to walk downtown To your local grocery store When you're stuck around the clock With your sweetheart, I pray you got The kind of stuff forever is made of I With your one, your true 
Smith is our guest today for Song of the Soul. His website is johnsmithmusic.com. No unusual spellings there. In any case, you can find the link on northernspiritradio.org. Hunkered Love, as you could tell, that was just a home recording. He sat down in front of the camera and helped jolly us through the coronavirus experience with his Hunkered Love. And I think I just saw his Hunkered Love wander behind us as we're doing this video via Zoom. It's a fun, wonderful song and very good advice. You know, don't give a gun to your <laughs> hunkered love. <laughs> Put the gun away because we don't we don't own any guns. But I just wanted to have fun with the whole thing, kind of like John Prine. You know, I, I definitely was channeling a, a little bit of that. I just love how he gave himself total permission just to be goofy and silly and, and stuff like that. And God knows we got to be silly here a little bit during this time to get through it. I can go with that program totally. You know, John Smith, the artist, though, has to be serious sometimes. One of the things I know you do is a lot of this touring and work over in Ireland. You've got the industry Caribbean cruise. You've got the rafting trips. You've got all kinds of stuff you do, the songwriting that we already referred to. So do you get to be your whimsical side throughout all of these situations? Or are there some where you have to be the serious guy who's the expert? Not very much expert, but I have to be the person a lot that holds space. Like when I'm teaching, that's what I sort of see it as. Somebody that kind of holds a container of, you know, makes everybody feel safe. And the same thing, for those of you that don't know, I I lead for the last 16 years, I've been leading groups of 20 people to Ireland for 10-day trips where we see beautiful sites during the day and wonderful local authorities, like, you know, people with their PhDs in folklore or anthropologists and stuff sharing with us. And then every night music with the Irish people. So I've been doing that for a lot of years. And it all comes from because the fans that I've kind of gathered over the years, I, you know, I went over to Ireland for a few years and just fell in love with the people. And most of my heritage is Irish. Six of my eight great grandparents came over during the famine. So I just have an affinity kind of for Ireland in that sense. And then I just decided to bring a few people and it's evolved to this serious business. And now I have lots of friends like David Roth and Tom Kimmel and David Francie in Canada and James Keelahan in Canada and Susan Warner, just lots of, there's probably 25, maybe 30 other artists that I've helped bring groups to Ireland, do the, to do the same thing and started a little company. Uh, and then the same thing on the river trips, I was invited by a friend of a friend who thought, well, maybe this John Smith guy who brings all these groups to Ireland, maybe his fans would want to go with him on a river. And I always wanted to do that. And so uh, I said, yes. You know, when the universe pops things on you like that. And so now I've done that for like six years in a row. Where I bring people down the middle fork of the Salmon River in Idaho, which is beautiful. And just enjoy the river and these great guides. And then every night I just play some songs and sing and hang out with everybody. So yeah, I've been really a lucky duck that way, Mark, in that it's all music-based because of my music. And of course, in Ireland, I bring the guitar every day and sing a song or two. We might be at an old stone circle, and I have a song or two that fits with that kind of a setting, and we just sit in the grass and have a couple songs, and let's get back on the bus and go back to the next place. Or we'll be, I'll set up a great session in a pub, and they'll be doing their thing with their jigs and reels, and they'll say, hey, John Smith, get up here and sing a few songs for us, would you? And I'll do that, and sometimes they'll play along with their whistles and stuff with me, and really fun. So fun is definitely an important part for me, that it be fun. So the Ireland trips and Esalen and 
going to folk festivals and stuff. It's got to have some fun in it. Well, we got time for one last song, John. How can we conclude your song of the soul? Yeah, let's close out here with a song that's kind of an end of the night kind of a song that I wrote in Ireland. It's called Safe Home. In Ireland, that's a real common term, and you'll actually often see it on signs. When you're pulling out of a little town, there'll be a little sign somewhere that says safe home. Whenever I heard that term, whenever I would hear it in Ireland, I always thought it was endearing to me. I just liked it. It just made me feel good. And I was at a festival in between a couple of my Irish groups. Uh, I got invited to sing at something called the Fiddler's Green Festival in Northern Ireland. So I went, and I just had a magical three or four days, and one of my roommates was a guy from the Dubliners, uh, and I didn't know who the Dubliners were. And now I look back and say, wow, how <laughs> fortunate was I? And the Mary Black and the Black family was there, and Doogie McLean. And God, we just played every night till like five in the morning. And God, it was so, just so fun. And everybody's hugging at the end, Monday morning. You know, just everybody, you know how you're at a place and you don't want to leave? So it's that kind of feeling. And so I'm driving back across to Ireland, and I, I've always kind of been one of those folkies that don't like sing-alongs. I, you know, I intentionally didn't write songs that everybody could sing along. I, I don't know. I just kind of was opposed to kumbaya kind of <laughs> stuff. But, but in Ireland, they freaking can sing all night long and sing-alongs, and I just fell in love with it. I just felt like I was some little kid that all of a sudden realized something that their parents did was cool. And, <laughs> and so while I was driving across Ireland a few hours, I wrote the song, Safe Home. So in Irish, they say it a lot, Slanawalia. You ever wondered where that term so long comes from? It's really just salon, which is Irish word for goodbye. So that's what it's called, safe home. Well, we're going to conclude with this song. First, I'll say thank you, John, for joining me. Thank you for both the whimsical and the deep spiritual side of your music, the creativity in it. Thank you for living so nearby. I feel like you're just, if I just reach this direction, stretch out my arm far enough, I can shake hands, even though I'm not supposed to do that in the time of coronavirus. I can shake hands with John Smith just across the valleys here. Yeah, Mark, and thank you for what you do for offering a platform like this, or a platform is the right word, but people always need this, but especially in this time. So thank you as well. And really, I could sit with you for many hours more, and I'd love to. We we had a wonderful conversation before we got on the air, folks. There are going to be some portions of this interview that you're not going to hear in the broadcast. So come via NordenSpiritRadio.org and listen to our bonus excerpts. And don't forget to listen to the six people, including John Smith, that I interviewed relative to our tribute to John Prime. That's on NordenSpiritRadio.org. But right now, we're going to go out with Safe Home. It's from The Gravity of Grace, again, released back in 2009. Thank you so much, John, for joining me today for Song of the Soul. You bet, Mark. Good to be here. Here is a Safe Home. I wish that to all of you, and I look forward to seeing you next week for Song of the Soul. Safe Home. We've come through the valleys We've come through the fields We've crossed over rivers To find ourselves here We sang songs of sorrow We sang songs of love Let's sing one more together To send ourselves off Safe home, safe home Safe home will you go May the light of the moon Smile down on your own Safe home, safe home, safe home will you go Until I next see you, safe home will you
down our worries, our troubles, our fears, like shells on the strand, washed by laughter and cheers. But the tide has returned to lift us away, back to our houses and families. We pray, safe home, safe home, safe home. Will you go? May the light of the moon smile down on your road. Safe home, safe home, safe home. Will you go until I next see you? Safe home, will you go? for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.